0: This is Father Joseph Anthony Cress, And this is Father Gregory Pine. Welcome to God's planning. Thank you to all of our supporters. Um, if, if you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like subscribe to God's planning wherever you listen to your podcast. Well, we have a wonderful, special episode this day. Uh, both Father Gregory and I are excited to join. Uh, or to have joining us, uh, Sister Bethany Madonna. Um, And so we're excited to take this opportunity. We're jumping time zones. And by the time this episode, uh, I don't know, gets published, we're probably jumping uh, time and space and all that. But um, Sister Bethany, how are you doing? And I wanted to actually ask you to give a little bit of an introduction for our listeners. Uh, Who are you? What kind of work are you involved in in the congregation that you, uh, you are in?
1: Sure. I'm a Sister of Life, and I moved out to Phoenix, Arizona on September the 8th. Um, we wanted to give Our Lady a present for her birthday, and so we have a new foundation here. Uh, it's it's um, at St. Agnes Convent, where we are serving vulnerable pregnant women who find themselves in crisis and tempted to abortion, and we receive them. We have a whole network of the lay faithful, uh, volunteers who help us to serve them. And they've been so outrageously generous. It's been really a beautiful reception. And then we have a a ministry of presence and evangelization on ASU's campus at Tempe. So sisters of life, we're going to go to be with the sun devils and, uh, we hope to bring (laughs) our lady there.
0: I'm not surprised at that you always you always go like where where the heat is the highest that's where that 's where the uh, yeah. sisters of life are yeah um, but once once again I, I thank you for joining us for this conversation. What we want to talk about today is um, something that is the most pretty topic uh, mm-hmm. but it's very very necessary and we 're going to be talking about brokenness um brokenness within our own humanity brokenness within the world, and how do we uh deal with that and um, you know, sister, through the work that you do, um, there are many times that we encounter this broken, human brokenness in kind of visceral ways. Mm-hmm. But how, how, how do we deal with that when we confront and kind of come face to face with maybe our own inadequacies or our own brokenness? What, what, what's, what's our response to that?
1: Yeah, it's an amazing thing how uh, much we resist our own humanity and have like a real um it can it can be a real self-hatred you know um uh, that Mm -hmm. that is just so disappointed and displeased and um yeah even angry at our own weakness and i know for myself just being being able to grapple with my own humanity and being able to recognize like I'm no surprise to Jesus, like he became a human person, he became a, a divine person in a human, you know, uh, body, and he took our form, and he knows the struggles um, of our humanity, there, he's not a stranger to them at all, and I'm, yeah, I'm not uh, disappointing to him, I'm why he came, you know, to <laughs> to save this, uh, this uh, internal uh, brokenness and to untie the knots and to put back the pieces and to breathe new life where there's just dry bones. So I, I think it's been a, a just a, my own personal conversion over these years, especially in religious life where you, mm. uh, I think a lot of people think that you come in and it's just, um, yeah, you enter into a foretaste of heaven, which is true what the living of it is, but you also come face to face with your own weakness and selfishness and areas of woundedness that you might not have been aware of. And I have been so overwhelmed by Jesus's um, persistent, faithful, Mm -hmm. lavish love in the very places that I I reject in myself.
2: Um, So sister, when, okay, personal anecdote followed by hopefully connected questions. (laughs) Um, uh, I'm somewhat allergic to vocation stories where people are like, you know, I was... Doing X, Y, and Z terrible sins. And then I had, whatever, huge, sensational experience of the Lord's love. And since then, I have never again been tempted to X, Y, and Z serious sins. And in fact, I have been overwhelmingly happy every minute of every day of, you know, <laughs> whatever, blah blah, 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 and and such. And Jesus loves you in just the same way. So let's go. Um, because my experience was before I entered the order of preachers, I was sad. Lonely and anxious, and then I enter the order of preachers, and then I was sad, lonely, and anxious. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I often observe is that like the vocation provides a framework in which to recognize you know the ways in which you are yet to kind of perfectly receive the grace of God, and then to to kind of expose that to the lord's love so my question for you is this: what are things like f- features of your life as a sister mm-hmm. um, which help you to kind of better? I don't know if, I don't know exactly how you would describe it, but like better know, better accept, and maybe better transcend brokenness. And like, how do those translate to the lives of our listeners? How do those mm-hmm. translate to the lives of Christians more generally?
1: I think one of the greatest gifts was even before entering, beginning to establish a prayer life, you know, that was, that involved a lot of adoration. So uh, time before the Lord and the blessed sacrament, it's so healing and it's really revelatory. So I can hide and I can escape, and I can pretend um outside of that chapel, <laughs> and even <laughs> inside you can have guards up, but i yeah i I know even before I entered i was I was aware of places where I wanted to grow and I wanted to heal i mean anyone coming out of this culture needs to be healed mm-hmm. <laughs> of so many things we've been really um exposed to a lot uh that that wasn't even of our own our own seeking or our own desire so um I would say that having that foundation of prayer and knowing that I could come before Jesus and let him look at me and let him see me and let him speak into uh, what I was grappling with, or yeah areas of my own heart where I knew I needed to mature just to become become um yeah leave behind uh something of my something of my adolescence or something that was a habit or you know um just a lack of generosity perhaps and so once you enter religious life, uh, I can only speak yeah for myself because we have this these structures of prayer and because we have the support of formators and superiors who can give us real feedback and real encouragement and real you know um, inspiration to strive for for uh, greater virtue. Yeah, I definitely felt like it. It has, and again, it's like you're saying, Father, it's ongoing. Like that's part of the human condition that we're yeah, it's ongoing conversion. It's ongoing healing. And so, um, it's letting Jesus love me and letting him teach me and letting him form me and not making it my own work. Cause I think too, there, there's a temptation there of like, you know, putting on like the hard hat and a light and like going in to do the excavation dig. And it's like, if the Lord's not, you know, bringing it forward, um, that's not, I don't have to fix myself. You know, he'll,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: he'll bring about my conversion and he does it in really creative ways. <laughs> so, I hope that helps a little.
0: I think that's the part of the joy is seeing like the creativity of the Lord yeah. to heal. Yeah. And, and, and like we, we see or we, we have this false expectation of what we think holiness looks like yes. or what we think a fidelity looks like. Oh, I'm a faithful Catholic. It means I'm doing these things or what piety is or maybe even at the core, like what healing looks like. But, the Lord really is truly creative in the best sense, because creativity is an act of the divine, mm-hmm. and He can uh, creatively heal these ways in ways that you know maybe is unexpected. Um, and, and I think that's what you know your life and uh, how you serve uh, the young women that you serve, and I've seen it definitely in campus ministry, is those unexpected moments which can can be shattering, uh, life changing, mm-hmm. you know a young woman finding out she's pregnant you know students who um you know have have total failures in their classes or or those kind of uh moments of maturity that really cut deep and so i think um how how do we trust the lord through that process mm-hmm. when it is so earth shattering and these like individual moments just change the course of of everything that lies ahead mm-hmm. like how, how do you help somebody, like, uh, what does that look like?
1: Trust is a really critical, um, thing. And I know even from, you know, praying the litany of trust, there's like 29, uh, invocations like trust, uh, trust isn't really explicitly even outlined in the catechism, so trust is like faith and love and hope and, and. (laughs) Uh, Dependence and vulnerability, and like, what is trust? You know, how how is it? How is it defined? How does it look? Trust is very specific. So, how do I trust the Lord? It does require um, a real surrender of self and a real acknowledgement. I can't surrender myself to someone if I don't think they're good. So, and I I might not surrender myself if I don't think I'm good. So there is a need almost to be able to acknowledge like the goodness of God. And His providence, and that He's for me, and that I'm good, and that He made me with the intention of blessing me and loving me and sharing His life with me. So He's not against me. He's not like disappointed in me. He's not punishing me, which is what what can the enemy would love to suggest all of those things to us, because it (laughs) makes us feel very far from Him and very unworthy of Him, and very, and often even angry at Him. So. The enemy will will weave in lies uh, that need to be rejected, so that we can proclaim and exclaim and kind of embrace the truth that he's a good father and he he's madly in love with each of us. Not in like I love all of you humans and like the ant pile of humanity that I look down upon. Like it's like I know each and every one of you. Like I know I know the hairs on your head. I mean that's so outrageous to say that. <laughs> it's like I know. <laughs> Jesus was trying to just say like how can I how else can I say it I know everything about you and that isn't frightening to me like that's actually like a joy for me to have that kind of intimate knowledge of you and I actually want you to have that intimate knowledge of me so I would say if someone's like experiencing something really shattering The temptation sometimes can be to like go into a hole or go into, you know, the fetal position or like hide or, or blockade my heart in such a way that no one's coming in. And really the opposite is necessary to be vulnerable and to open myself and to show myself and to express myself to the Lord. He can handle it. He can handle all of our emotions. He actually knows what the experience was and he is using it in some way, even through his permissive will for, for our good and for our sanctification. So yeah. And especially with a crisis pregnancy, if you don't mind my speaking into it, sometimes women are, are, you know, have have this experience and they're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened to me. And it's almost like the Lord is showing her in some way, like I'm here, I'm here in Mm. this circumstance. I'm here in this situation. And actually I trust you and I want another to experience your love. And I think it's good. And I want better for you and more for you. And so here's here's a treasured gift I'm entrusting to you. And, and so mm-hmm. that takes time, obviously, for a woman to receive that because, um, yeah, the concept of being a mother can be uh, so shattering to her identity. But to recognize, too, that um, the Lord is present and loving and wanting to provide in that circumstance. Um,
2: sister, I've heard you speak. Uh, maybe once or twice, I think twice at seek and at SLS. And I was just really impressed by the way in which the stories that you told, um, illuminated, um, the points that you were making or the way in which you were trying to communicate to those present, like how God loves and the particular ways in which God loves. So I'm going to set you up here and then I'm going to talk a little bit and then I'll come back. Okay. So I'm, I'm interested in maybe some ex- experiences that you've had of how God permits something difficult or something broken Mm -hmm. in order to like kind of pull out of it or draw forth from it something yet more glorious and the reason i'm thinking about this is because you describe god's providence and god's permissive will and st thomas will talk about how god isn't a cause like we're causes because oftentimes the way that we cause things is we see something and it's not yet perfect right it's not optimal or maximal Mm -hmm. and so we immediately try to make it better um so Yeah, like you see somebody who's in pain and you're like, ah, let me remove the source of your pain. Let me, you know, um, tend to your wounds. Let me patch you up. Let me do whatever, which is a good instinct given who we are and what we do as causes. But he says, you know, God isn't just one particular cause. God is the universal cause. And because he's provident, he's orchestrating all of this so that it redounds to his glory, not to run roughshod over our freedom, um, but really to, to perfect our freedom. And so he'll say things like, He'll permit us to depart from his will and transgression only to return us to the heart of his will by the exercise of mercy. Um, So I think that, you know, like in my own experience of life, sometimes I feel uh, like in the midst of difficulty, I feel as if this just needs to be fixed. All right. Um, If God has a plan for it, that plan is just too terribly obscure for me to sympathize with. And so I just need to I need to be about the business of of fixing. I need to be about the business of arranging. Um, but then, you know, subsequently, I come to discover that God's plans were for glory, that he loved my destiny more than I, in fact, did and was far more confident to bring that about. So, you know, in your own life and your experience of walking with women, um, maybe what are some what are some things that you've seen, things that you can testify to?
1: Thank you for that opportunity. Yeah. I mean, in our missions it's like a whole reel of different miracle stories. I feel like it's a miracle story every day. Uh, you have women who... I think of one woman who found out she was pregnant and she'd already suffered an abortion and she just never wanted to go through that again. It was so agonizing experience, but she didn't know how she could have this child. So she called our sisters, talked to them for hours and said, how do I know you're not going to leave me too? And uh, our sisters were like, do you want to talk to one of the other women that we'd served. And so we set them up in a phone conversation. And as they were speaking, uh, this woman said to Jenna, um, listen, Jenna, like God chose you for this baby and that's so special. And so Jenna went through uh, with the pregnancy rather than the the abortion. And she said after she had her baby, if you ever meet someone who needs to talk to someone else, I wanna be that someone this time. And so within a month we had another girl 19 years old, pregnant, her boyfriend was like, I'll take my own life. If you have this baby, her parents were like, you just ruined your life. I mean, the things that people say, it's like, you're like, how could anybody have an abortion? And it's like, oh, the fear and the pressures are like beyond anything Mm -hmm. you could ever like conceptualize. But anyway, we were like Jenna. And so we had Jenna call this new young woman and Jenna said, listen, I've made both decisions and not a day goes by. I don't think of that first baby. She's like, do not do this according to what? Everyone else is telling you because they move on the next day and you live with it. You have to go with your heart. And so this, this new young woman uh, discerned placing her child into an adoptive family. So this is just one small vignette of, of how, how our own experiences, our own pain, our own sin, even, once it's given to the Lord, once we've experienced mercy and healing, we actually have a new authority when we're talking to others because we've mm-hmm. been through a journey. So those who struggle with alcoholism and have been through AA um, ministering to others who are struggling, those who go, are in Al-Anon who have parents who struggle with alcoholism and they can minister to each other because they're willing to look at the hard things and they're willing to do the steps. Um, those who struggle with pornography addiction and get an accountability partner through Covenant Eyes. I even think about um, Life-Giving Wounds. It's a, a group of mm-hmm. adult children of a divorce out of the JP2 Institute, and they are hosting retreats and encouragement to children who uh, suffered a, a divorce in their family and are now adults and desire to live the beauty, beautiful gift of marriage, but are are hesitant and reticent and feel like they're limping. So I'm I just see so many glorious <laughs> scars. I just feel like the wounds of Jesus are beautiful and brilliant, and he still has them. That's unbelievable mm-hmm. that the Lord would appear in his, you know, uh, resurrected body with wounds still. I mean, you can be like, no, Jesus, like erase it all. Like, let's just forget this all ever happened. And he's like revealing to us, no, there's Mm -hmm. like such purpose. There's a beauty to this, you know, if like, that's the glory of redemption and mercy that mercy can heal, you know,
0: as you, um, as you were describing that, that opportunity to, um, Offer your own experience of mercy to aid others and assist others, like experiential knowledge and sometimes the kind of you know ex- experience and deep suffering can be such a flower and a gift for others and not necessarily just the thorns um but this is something that I kind of wanted to lead into is how do we accompany others who are? dealing with their own brokenness. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we have an experience that we can share and we can kind of enter into that and guide. Sometimes we don't. Right. Or, and sometimes we haven't gone through that experience. And so we talked a little bit about how we kind of confront our own brokenness and uh, understanding it in connection with the Lord and how he has suffered and the wounds that he has, but the redemption that happens through that and had just drawn into his glory now. And, and the reality that we even talk about it as the glorious wounds of the Lord, which that is mm-hmm. an oxymoron and just like dumbfounding phrase that we just throw around like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we see somebody suffering, when we see somebody actually struggling, wrestling with their own brokenness, how, how can we accompany them in that journey, whether we have the experience or not, um, how do we accompany others with their own brokenness? Yeah,
1: I love the word accompany father, because that's like, I'm with you. I'm staying with you, we're together. Like It's not me serving you or ministering to you or fixing you, which is the temptation as as, um, Father Gregory had mentioned, the temptation to like, okay, how can I fix this situation that we're, we're here, there's gotta be a solution. I think depending on what it is, Father, it's like I can be a good friend and I can be um, mm-hmm. present. Uh, there are times where I want to guide someone to, to actual professional help, or I, I, do, I do think that they might, might need something beyond what I can give, and it, it would be at their service to encourage and support them to reach out for that. I would say, though, the way of the Sisters of Life, what we do with our women is, is when we receive them, um, our whole approach is delighting in her, which is a little counterintuitive because it's almost like, okay, here, she is in a crisis and you're like, nah, what do we do? You know, it's like, no, I'm not in a crisis. I have time for you. I have room for you, you know, and just receiving her and being like, are you hungry? Did you have lunch? <laughs> you know, like let's make lunch. <laughs> we could talk for hours about other, other things besides the pregnancy. Cause we don't need to zero in on it. I'm care about her and I care about her heart. And I just want to hear what's going on. So then we reflectively listen. I receive what she says and I don't put in my two cents. I'm like, oh, you know what you need to do? Or let me tell you, my, let me talk about me for just a second and my story because I think it would help. Sometimes it, it, it doesn't allow the person to really reveal what their need is. Um, there is a time and a place for advice and there is a time and a place for sharing our story, but that might be after the initial receiving and just responding like, wow, that sounded really hard. Can you share more about that? or if you're comfortable do you mind explaining why that's such a difficulty for you whatever it is just receiving and letting them what we call empty the bucket <laughs> like get it all out so that they can share like really what's what's burdening them and then that experience of someone willingly entering into my suffering with me my fear my regret my pain sitting with me loving me in it uh, that first of all is extremely healing. I don't even necessarily need to give advice sometimes because they've gotten it out and they have a sense of what they need to do because they they had the space and the validation almost of somebody somebody being with me in it. But there is a time and a place where it might be it might be appropriate to share your story. It also might be appropriate just for you to use your own knowledge and not share it, but speak with authority. Um, having walked that walk, if that makes sense. So, it might not be helpful for them to know that you have a similar experience, or that um, something even more painful happened to you. That might throw them off, or suddenly they don't know if they're supposed to minister to you. You know. So, <laughs> I I think just speaking from your own experience of like, wow, I know how painful this is, and sometimes the experience is shame, or um, betrayal, or hatred, or whatever it is. And maybe I'll just say like, wow do you sense in yourself, like just, just a bitterness at feeling betrayed in that way? And they're like, yeah, that's exactly what I feel. And they're not really sure how you knew that, but I don't need to go into like, well, one time I was totally betrayed. So, you know, again, it could shift the conversation. So yes, I use my own brokenness to speak words of comfort and words of affirmation. And sometimes words, you know, with, with, um, a directive, like you need to do this, or you need to speak to this Mm -hmm. person or, I really want to encourage you to this, but I don't necessarily have to say where that's coming from.
2: <laughs> so, I don't know how to express this well, but I'll just express <laughs> it less than well. Um, I think in in you know many of our experiences, it's rare that we'd be in a position where we're counseling a woman hmm. regarding you know whether or not she should um, keep her baby or et cetera. Um, it's often more like. We're talking to friends or coworkers and those friends or coworkers are expressing whatever trial or difficulty or sorrow in life. And I think I'll I'll speak for myself. I sometimes catch myself um, like kind of judging or Mm -hmm. feeling critical towards the other person insofar as in my mind, I'm drawing lines of causality between what they're presently experiencing Mm -hmm. and their attitude or their comportment or their behavior or whatever it is. And so in my mind, I'm just kind of operating within the ambit of justice. I'm like, yeah, of course, no surprise there, <laughs> say more. You know, it's like, <laughs> but you know, yeah. father's smug pine doesn't actually help anyone or anything. And I find too that like, if ever the person's difficulty involves me, right? If it If it ever is kind of assigned to me, even, you know, like mildly as blame, that I'm even more, de- I defensive. like, in addition to the judgment, I'm defensive, mm-hmm. right? So, so now I'm like, I'm on the offense when it comes to assigning blame, because if I assign blame to you, then that buffers me from actually assuming any of it myself. Mm-hmm. So my question, if I can formulate one, is, um, like what you describe, it, it, it sounds like it entails, you know, like you said, listening, um, kind of like posing helpful questions, be like a- affording a place in which for the other two, um, to reflect, to draw her own conclusions, things like that, um, but it sounds like it involves like just yeah just a high degree of empathy and an incredible capacity to check your own ego mm-hmm. um, for those of us who would be less adept, mm-hmm. less skilled. Um, Speak into that, maybe like give me some hope that I will not live the rest of my life sure. as father smug pine uh. I
1: don't think that's how you're living right now, but I'm grateful for the example I'm really grateful no I, again, it's like we bring our own our own baggage into any conversation that we 're in, so I'm really grateful for yeah for this thought about how to how to check my ego. Um, there is something there of like even if someone's accusing me or blaming me or angry at me, um, there's almost like this pause um, internally of like this isn't about me in some in some very real way. This is and I want to be part of reconciliation or I want this to clear up, so I want to receive it, whatever it is, and I don't have to answer right away. And I think that's also really important if it's if it is somebody uh, venting directly to me. I want to be able to say thank you for sharing this. I wasn't aware of this. Um, I had no idea that this was affecting you in that way. And um, I would really love to have some time to think about it and come back to you. I think the judgments that we can make, like God gave us our reason, you know, and, and and obviously, justice is very strong in all of us. Uh, that's from childhood, mine, and not fair. And <laughs> you know, like that's that's deep. Um, so I guess it's it's being able to, while acknowledging internally, like I bet that is because of this. And had you know, had they not gotten in that relationship, or had they not gone to that place, whatever, this might not have happened. That's kind of neither here nor there in the moment, because I what I'm what I'm doing is. It did happen so there's almost like a surrender and humility of like i can't change what happened even if i think i can figure out how it happened so i have to just receive it in the moment and know that god has a plan forward so although some of it might need to be addressed like behaviors and the crowd that someone's hanging out with or you know the their their relationship or their dynamic within their family some things need to be addressed but Often that, that takes a little bit more time and you can go back to it. Now that I'm aware that that's your situation, I'll revisit that. And I'll remember that I wanted to revisit that, you know. But it might not be right now that that, that even needs to be broached. You know, for example, again, I um, we meet one-on-one with college students. So if a college student comes to us and she shares something that's really difficult, I want to receive everything and I want to see what's most poignant for right now. But I might remember, like... She's not ready for me to go there, but we need to go there. Eventually I might wait a month. Mm -hmm. I might wait six months. Um, if it's not urgent or there isn't like, you know, um, if someone's life isn't in danger or something, but if it's something that I hope she'll come to on her own, um, I might, I might try and guide her there. And if it, she doesn't come to it on her own, I might find a really charitable way and patient way to, to bring it to her attention and offer it to her as an invitation. Of something to bring to the lord or something to look into and uh see in our own heart where that's coming from
0: uh sister we're we're kind of coming to the close and i, I feel like we can continue to uh just add and, and dig deeper yeah. uh with a little miner's cap but it's the light of christ that's shining <laughs> that's what that's that's what's leading us uh my father's a coal miner so i really appreciated that right. Angels, like, let's go <laughs> uh <laughs> papa cress in the coal mines um anyway um as we're like drawing this to a close i mean i, I do final thoughts on our brokenness hmm. each other's brokenness in the light of christ in the wounds of christ you know um your guidance to our listeners and, and honestly to, to each of us on like, mm-hmm. when we speak about brokenness within our relationship with the Lord Jesus, who is a wounded healer, Um, mm-hmm. what does that look like? And just kind of, you know, final concluding thoughts or advice or prayers in that
1: sure. sense. Sure. Yeah. Rather than focusing, I guess, so much on like the ugliness or the pain of woundedness, I think it's which is very natural, uh, recognizing Jesus is like, look at his family line, like his family line was really kind of messed up <laughs> in a lot of ways. And he entered into the human family uh, with a lot of, lot of issues. And then when you look at him in the gospels, he is, he is like a magnet to woundedness. Mm-hmm. He, he loves the brokenhearted. He wants to set captives free. He wants to give sight to the blind. Like, He just needs to, he doesn't even necessarily need to know. He wants to hear from you too. Like, what would you like me to do for you? You know, or the woman who just came up and touched his garment, she had so much faith and he's like, well, power went out for me. He wants his power to go out into us. So even reading the gospels allows us to take courage in bringing Jesus our brokenness because he's, he's so drawn to, um, allowing us to experience the greatest freedom and the greatest joy. Like I, I want my joy to be in you and your joy to be complete. That is a promise. And yeah, it's a journey, but I'm not on it alone. And there are others who will walk with me and the Lord will provide that as well in friendships and, you know, counselors and trusted mentors and spiritual mothers and fathers. If, if I need to, I need that. So I would say be not afraid of your own brokenness and, and be not afraid to bring that forward to Jesus uh for his yeah, his healing touch.
0: Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh thank you again to all of our supporters. Uh if you'd like to tithe to our work, uh check us out on patreon.com slash godsplaining. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like, subscribe. Leave us a five-star review. I think uh, this episode's worthy of a five-star, but that's my own uh, <laughs> <laughs> advice there. Uh, visit godsplanning.org to shop our merchandise and get dates for upcoming events uh, that we will be having. And once again, thank you so much to Sister Bethany Madonna for joining us on this episode. Please support uh, her in the mission in Phoenix, support uh, the Sisters of Life and all of the great work that they do, and offer up a few extra prayers, a few Hail Marys for all of them. And from all of us friars, thank you so much. You are in our prayers.
1: God bless you.